friends, welcome to the Ransom Power Podcast. John and Stacy Eldridge, Morgan Snyder here. It's been on my heart for a while to have some kind of conversation about living in hard-pressed times. Like it does seem like people are living more and more frantic lives, more and more hard-pressed lives, less and less margin, less and less space. Mm-hmm. You know, just the number of ransomed heart allies I've talked to in the last month who it just seem hard-pressed. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you guys in to just talk about what would we say to them? What is our counsel for living in a time like ours? What do you do when you're living in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the first part of which is absolutely lovely? Let me, let me start us off with this scripture. It says, for uh, verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I love that. But then I love the next word. The next word is, but. Hmm. But, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. How do you live in that? And how do you live when it feels like culturally that's happening? How do you live when it feels like globally that's happening in times such as ours? So we just thought we would introduce some categories and have some conversations about that. And Morgs, I think the place to start is, well, what do you tend to do? Yeah. Because I think that honesty, like, that's helpful to name. Yeah. That the habitual reaction, the knee-jerk reaction is probably not the helpful one. What what do you tend to do when you're hard-pressed on every side? Ed, John, I've been thinking about this category quite a bit in the last few weeks because the stream of steady crises of really mature allies coming towards me, you know, in the inbox, on a text of people in crisis. And these are people that are mature in the faith, walking with God. Right. And I too am feeling as you read that verse, you know, hard pressed, but not crushed and perplexed deeply, profoundly. Yes. But not in despair. And so as I've been reflecting on it, I just did an honest inventory of where do I go in my false self to try to arrange for life. And I realized it has to do with the time of day. (laughs) I realized in the morning, my knee-jerk reaction to crisis externally is to just strategize, make lists. And the goal is to take control control. of my life, right? And that it's a sort of medication. It never works but I always go to that well. And then throughout the day, it shifts from kind of strategy to just eating junk. So seize control is between oh, 6 a.m. to and about 11, 12. Ooh, okay, 11. That's yeah. good. Mine yeah. just goes till 10. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm strategist. Okay. It's got to be my major deal. Right. But somewhere yeah, around 11, 11 12, and, and noon. Yeah, to about four, it's eat junk, right? Feed my body with things that make me 
feel good. Just comfort, yeah. right? Because to just keep the anxiety, keep the yes. you know worry aside. And then around four, I start giving myself permission to just have a knee-jerk reaction to just drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Lots of it sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If just now... The day is done. Right. Medicate. You know what? Tomorrow will be a better day. Medicate. I'll make my list tomorrow. Totally. Tomorrow morning, new list. And then if it's really, really bad, by night, it's, you know what? I'll just take an Ambien and a sleeping pill. Just knock myself out. Because then I'm guaranteed sleep. I don't even need to pray. I know my body will get some sleep. Yeah. And I'll start over again. And honestly, I feel like I have to confess that because if I look at my day, there is crisis, there is pressure on every side in my false without being rooted in God. That's where I go for comfort. Yeah. Oh, I was, I became aware of that here at the outpost that what I was turning to was sugar and caffeine. Hard pressed on every side, get a little tea, get some caffeine going, have some chocolate covered almonds. Like that'll, that'll at least give me the strength to push through the hardship. Not super successful. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just dittoing what Morgan said, except for at four o'clock, it moves to self-contempt. Okay. It's not drinking for me. It's now it's additionally to how I feel like I'm failing in my life because I'm hard pressed. And I think that everybody can relate to this. Like we don't name it that. Yes. It's, it's the saints that were hard pressed. They're, you know, being hunted and beaten and we're just, we're hunted and beaten in ways that aren't necessarily visible. Yeah. And so for feeling hard pressed, for feeling like that, then what comes on is you're not handling this well at all. Yes. And so rather than turning to God quickly, it's Mm. I'll I'll spiral down in self-contempt. Yeah. Okay. Gang, so can we just start with to be hard pressed does not mean failure. If you want a real education in Christian maturity, go back into the New Testament and read how Paul describes his life. Read how he describes in in Second uh, Corinthians chapter one. He says, "We were in great despair, even of our own lives, and that's why we reached out to you and asked you to pray for us. To be in hard places, to be hard pressed, to find yourself on the ropes." It does not mean you are blowing it. Or sinning. It it may mean that you need to tap into some of the resources of the kingdom that you're not tapping into, sure. But I just can we just take the shame off of this? Because I find that there's a smaller and smaller group of people that I can actually confess I'm not doing well to because there's this, I don't know, there's this thing in the body of Christ that somehow you ought to be mm. in right, upright, downright, you know, happy all the time or rejoicing in the Lord or just worshiping or living from glory to glory or whatever the particular, you know, church culture is. Or there's this thing of, man, you're not doing great all the time. Shoot a duck. That means, you know, there's just this thing where we hold up. If we get the magic pill, then we're always, ne- yeah. we're never going to suffer the pains of this world. Yeah. Mm. Right. So can we just name that one of the greatest saints of all time, author of the majority of the New Testament, a man who was clearly grounded in living in heaven on earth clearly living out of intimacy with God, would describe himself at certain times, Mm -hmm. not always, but at certain times as hard-pressed on every side. And I think if we can just get the shame off of that and say, we live in a very intense age Mm -hmm. right now. 
for all kinds of reasons. You have the cultural insanity of the pace of life. Yes. People live life based on the speed of their news feed. It's just, it's the next thing, next thing, next thing. That, oh, did you see this? Oh, did you see that? Oh, did you, you know, and multitasking. I was looking at some data. They were trying to figure out how much time people do spend on their screens every day. And they were saying, we're having a hard time getting an actual number put together because people are multitasking. While they're watching television, they're also on their phones. While they're on their phones, they're also looking at their computer screen. And so, do we double that? How, you know, anyway, mm. the point being, one, you have a mad culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mad. I ran into a, a dear, dear saint the other day who is so busy, just life stuff, that he doesn't have time to pray. Like, that was what he said, at least. That's busy, right? For a mature believer, this isn't, this isn't a lightweight. This isn't somebody who doesn't care. This is somebody who's very committed to walking with God. He's like, I'm, I am so flipping busy. Okay, so you have the madness of the culture, and you have the spiritual intensity of the hour. Right. Right, and demonic on the earth, the hatred, the violence, the, all of that. So just to be kind and say, gang, you're living in a very intense moment where most people have very little to draw upon. And if you find yourself hard-pressed, take a number. You're not alone. You're not screwing up. That's not an indication of your spiritual immaturity. That's just where we are. And so this is all introduction to some help that we want mm-hmm. to offer you. So right now, we're just, maybe just to take a little bit of, of shame off. And if I could, I, I'm going to take us on a wandering conversation, the, the sum total of which is going to be enormously helpful to you, <laughs> okay? There'll be nuggets in this that you'll go, ooh, that's for me, and ooh, that's for me, okay? Let me frame it as that the number one thing that has to be cultivated, protected, fought for, defended, is your union with God. Not just your faith in Him, not though that's important, not just your belief in Him, though that's critical, but your actual vine and branch union with God. Oswald Chambers says, sometimes there is nothing to obey. Our only task is to maintain a vital connection with Jesus Christ, seeing that nothing interferes with it. So, I think all the things we're going to describe over a couple of podcasts here is that's the overall goal, is in the midst of hard-pressed, in the midst of an absolutely mad culture and a very intense spiritual climate. How do you thrive? How do you live well? How, how do you come through on the other side intact and even in a good place? That's, that's what we're after. And I just want to, let's just have a conversation about that. Like, what would you say to someone you care about who would describe themselves as hard-pressed on every side? Well, the first thing that I would do, I would just want to offer the mercy and come back with the Mm. compassion that, and the verse that you read, that they're not, this doesn't mean that they're blowing it and that they have a God of compassion that, that sees. But the temptation is then to shrink back. I like the message of Romans 12. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Mm. 
So there's this thing of that when things ratchet up, the tendency is to pull back. But what God calls us to do is to fight fire with fire. So my advice would be for myself and for others is more time with God. Right. More intimacy. And I don't mean the pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and slug it out and, and stuff like that. But I mean collapsing into Jesus and really tapping into the resources of heaven. So I'd say spend some extended time in soaking worship. Lie on the ground. Okay, so let's literally describe that because that may be a new idea to a lot of people. What do you mean by that? I don't mean actually worship that you might hear on the radio, but what worship that is— We're not talking about pop music. Not, not pop music, but softer toned worship that is exalting Jesus, something from Bethel. That's a good place to start where it is. Just you and Jesus. So literally getting comfortable on the ground. Maybe it's night and you light a candle, but you turn off your phone, you make it quiet, you ask the Holy Spirit to dial in and just let the worship wash over you and enter into it yourself by saying the words back or, or singing along or just being quiet in it, but literally setting the timer for an hour and just let it minister to your heart. Okay, so... Let me jump in and say, Stace suggested this the other night, and my immediate reaction was, I don't have time for that, and a little bit of internal irritation, because it is so disruptive yes. to my current trajectory, right? My trajectory is scramble. I'm already fried from hard-pressed on every side, and you want, you want me to lie down on the living room floor and turn on worship music. And thankfully, thankfully, there's a degree of sanctification that's taken place in my life. And I said, okay, it was exactly what we needed. It is every single time you suggest it, it's exactly what we need. But I just want to say, even the suggestion right now may feel a little irritating to right, you, listener. Right, right. Like, like, wait, what? Uh that you have to come to a full stop then. And and it sounds, you know, it, it can sound like you're minimizing what's going on in your life. I don't have time for that. Well, then fine. Start with one song. Right. Start one with song. one. Make some room for that. Sit in your car before you come into the house. Hide in the closet and put your headphones on. You, you can arrange for this. Yes. This is not inaccessible. And as you taste the help, and the rescue, then doing three songs is a no-brainer, six songs is a necessity, you know, and, and then you're into it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But what we're going to do, we're going to wander through some different stories and recommendations and conversation here, but very practical things. When you're hard-pressed, you should get to worship as soon as you can, and then stay there, like, then try it again tomorrow there. night. Yeah. And try it again the next night. Like, this is something the saints are going to need more and more of. It really nourishes your soul, your spirit. Yeah. It does. Yeah, it really does. In, in the spirit of accessibility, Stacy, I really appreciate your comment of turn the phone off, stop everything. It requires choosing an opposite energy. And so even by way of an on-ramp for me, you know, throws of little kids, and it's just shuttling back and forth. The car used to be a place of one more 
context to feed the the frantic, right? One more place of it's a mobile office, check the yeah, cell phone. Get her done. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, make those and calls. There's just more things to do. And it's one more irritation or engagement. Instead, the car time is an incredible time for worship for me. And in there, it's not on the ground, though I love to do that. And it's not for an hour, though I love to do that now. It may be 12 minutes. And mm. most of the time, it's one song on repeat because there's all kinds of chaos going on in my world. But it's an opportunity to switch the energy, right? Instead of adding to the frantic, adding to the frenzy, you're taking that back. You're seizing a sort of fierce mastery and saying, no. I need rhythm. As you said, John, the world is flying, but the soul doesn't change. And so to take that back and say, I want to live a soul's pace, I've found some of my most powerful worship is in the car and soaking, saturating, receiving, realigning. And I go from getting into my truck, pissed off, overwhelmed, anxious, and wherever I land at my son's basketball game or at Abigail's school, I am settled, I am rooted, I am in Christ. So what I want to say is, yes, get to an hour, but also start with what you have and choose to say, no, I'm going to walk in an opposite energy. I'm going to align myself with the reality of the kingdom culture. Mm -hmm. And Morgan, I like that very practical thing. I've put one song on repeat. Yep. There's a song that works for you. I have a few that work for me. Yep. And some of them are oldies. doesn't have to be the latest, greatest, wow is now. Can you share some of your songs? Well, so for, can... for example, I Will Exalt You, mm -hmm. um, Hillsong Worship. I think it's like 15 years old. Mm. But that song, the pace of it, the length of it, mm. and the subdued nature of it, like, it, you know, it's not fog machines and and strobe lights. You know, it's, it's this beautiful song of I Will Exalt You, You're With Me, Because You're With Me. Yes. and. I will put that on repeat mm. rather than having to go find a great playlist, just a simple yep. suggestion of repeat. Repeat it a couple times. Yes. Repeat it maybe three yes. times. And, and you're actually going to find yourself settling more and more into what you need from God. Exactly. His presence, that sort of thing. I think in the spirit of what do you do when you're hard-pressed, and I think we are hard-pressed as a culture and as a church, you've got to, okay, so my, yes, I go to control. My instant reaction is get on top of this, take control, whatever that might look like, making lists, getting email done, jump on your computer. It's just amazing to me how that's the last thing I need to be doing is, is more email and more technology, but some frantic reach for some mm -hmm. sense of I'm bringing order to my world. Yes. Instead of that, Jesus has been instructing me very, very clearly lately to give everyone and everything to him. And what I mean is, there's a lot of us out there that just take stuff on. Out of our empathy, we carry concerns uh, either for people or people groups or social causes or, you know, some news report we've read that just broke our heart. Because of our empathy, our compassion, concern, we take it on and we carry it without even realizing that we are. And it was only through the massive repetition of Jesus. I mean, I'm talking repeating, repeating, repeating it over and over and over again to me over, over months and months and months. 
give everyone and everything to me, did I even come to the realization that I wasn't, yes. mm. that, that yes. I was carrying a lot more than I knew I was carrying. Yes. And, and so the effect on my soul to release it to God, and, and I mean genuinely release it, I out loud, I don't just think of it or that's a nice thought, I, I say, Jesus, I give you ransomed heart. Jesus, I give you my kids. Mm. You know, and that, for parents, that's a big one, right? Jesus, I give you my mom and how she's doing. I give you, and and on and on it goes. I give you that conflict I just had, that, um, that now I'm regretting some things I said. I get, you know, I give all of this to you. I give everything, kind of meaning causes and issues and mm -hmm. finances stuff, and I give every one. Yes. I give everything and I give everyone to you, Jesus, in order to clear room mm -hmm. in my soul for him. I think it was Helen Keller who said that every day God tries to put things into our hands, but they're clenched so tight we can't receive them. You know, while you're carrying a bunch of stuff, while your soul is cluttered with many things, there actually isn't a lot of room for God there. And so by a deliberate and intentional choice. Jesus, right now in this moment, I release this to you. Mm. I give you our family. I give you my finances. I give you my health. I give you, you know, this coming checkup I'm worried about or whatever it is, whatever these things are, I give it to you, God. As a, as a practice, it opens up space in my soul for union with God. Mm -hmm. John, you introduced that prayer in my life a while back, and it's been so incredibly helpful because I think you're even naming that we have empathy and we take on causes, and but also in this age particularly, the profound access we have to stories. Yes. Like we know what's going on the other side of the world or people, the number yes. of people that can access you with their crisis that simply was not God's intention. And so it's so important for me to be honest by my limitations. And my soul has a finite capacity that I am only now beginning to learn about and honor. And so the fact that we live in a world with unprecedented access to information and people, I've found even with my children in their daily prayer now, when I pray over them, when I put them to bed as they're budding teenagers and they live in this world that has false connection, right? They know so much. So much. And there's so many people in their social media, but they don't have true connection. They're carrying these stories to pray over them. Joshua, we give everyone and everything to God. Abigail, oh, so we good. give everyone and everything to just train them to say, you too, give it all, everything you're carrying. And as they're praying it, I'm agreeing with it. But it truly changes it for me where I realize it's not until praying that for some time that I realize how much I was carrying. Okay, so let me go back and repeat something Morgan said. We have too much access to people's stories. Mm. It used to be not that long ago that they had to call you on a landline and you had to be available to have the conversation. Right. And in the conversation, you would hear about the death of their mother. Yes. Or prior to that, for centuries, it used to be by the post that they would have to write you yes. a letter yes. and tell you how things were going on in their world. 
but now it's instant. You have instant access to hundreds and hundreds of stories, and the soul was never meant to carry that. I recently heard statistics on it that we have access to 250 times the amount of information that our parents had access to, and they had 250 times more than their parents. So for us, from our grandparents, Mm. that's more than 62,000, the number of how much information is coming to us then we just, we are not meant for that. Well, and yet the soul hasn't changed, right? The soul That's hasn't That's generation changed. to generation. Yes. But the rate of change isn't consistent with the life of the soul. See, that's really important to say. The soul hasn't changed. It's not like we got new souls and new capacities. It's just that technology changed. And so now you have way too much access to heartbreaking news or exciting news, to intriguing news or, you know, thrilling things. But nonetheless, I give everyone and I give everything to you, God, on a regular basis so that your soul has room for God to come back in and so that you're not carrying these things because kind of the enemy's basic thing with hard-pressed on every side is overwhelm, make you scramble, cues you for it, and get you disconnecting from God. Again, that you know, the basic goal is coming back into vital union with God mm-hmm. because He is scriptures call him the fountain of life. You are the fountain of life. And you know, we got really leaky cups, right? right? So we got to stay close to that fountain of life and mm-hmm. just keep drinking and drinking, you know. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I give everyone and everything to you. I'm trying to make room in my soul mm-hmm. for God. John, I mentioned earlier that part of my knee-jerk reaction in the morning was to just scramble, to go to control, to make lists. Years ago, a wise sage introduced this one idea that was the most formative of all things on this category of how do we respond in a culture of crisis to live in union with God? And, And a younger man had said to this older man, he asked him the question, what do you do on an ordinary day to maintain your life with God. What are the disciplines? And this wise man was slow in his response and said, you have to be careful with that question because there are no ordinary days. Just that was kindness Mm. and affirmation. Mm. And then he went on to pose this question, what is it that I can do in my power every day, regardless of the circumstances of that day? His routine is when he's laying in bed, before he gets up, before he moves, he pauses and he says, Father, Father. And right right, right out of the message translation of the Lord's Prayer, it says, Father, reveal who you are and set the world right. And so I have found when I wake up and feel that knee-jerk reaction to start all over again. Mm -hmm. There is this now practice that's embedded in my soul to say, before I go anywhere, before I leave this bed, I'm going to align myself with a father and acknowledge that I'm a son, tap into heaven, be rooted in God, united with him and connected. And now I get up out of bed. And it's amazing. I mean, you're talking about Two minutes yep. max, yep. but it's that orientation of it's a lot easier to keep 
your life in God when it starts in God for your day, rather than playing catch up from your alarm clock on. Yeah, for the rest of the day. Yeah, another critical thing for me has been don't check media first thing. And I have to discipline myself for this. That the the natural inclination to check my phone, what what texts came in Mm. since I went to bed till now, like catch up really quick and then quick look at email, catch up really quick. And this is before before I'd done anything. Mm. This is before a cup of coffee or tea, or this is before breakfast. Like the the pull straight to technology, the pull straight back into the world. And Mm -hmm. so the simple discipline of don't don't check that first thing. Keep a little bit of breathing room. When you wake up, you don't don't need to actually, you're going to be okay. And then that leaves room for Mm -hmm. more centering prayers like Jesus, Father. rescue me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. help me. And John, let me ask, what is the difference? What is the distinction in your experience between checking, like giving way to that, instead of being centered in God and then turning towards those things? Literally. I wish I could describe it. At first, it's it's not as noticeable as it becomes over time. Mm. Okay. At first, you go, okay, I didn't check that. That was good. Um I feel good about myself that I didn't grab my phone. That's how it kind of starts. <laughs> Which is huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. But what's fascinating is now the distinction is if I grab my phone and check it, which gang? I, I did this week. I mean, this isn't like I got this nailed down. But if I grab it and check it first thing, I am immediately in the world. Yeah. I've already left my home mm. and I am mm. at work. I am in the world. I'm I'm going. I... I'm out of whatever peaceful moment might have been, and I'm immediately into the the torrent of life, the river of life. People's needs, people's love, people's concerns, people's stories, news, blah, blah, blah. When I don't, it's so simple. I am having breakfast. Mm. <laughs> Just present in the that's moment. That's it. That's all I, that's nothing else is taking place. It's a very simple thing that human beings did for centuries, right? Like, I I am having a moment. Which, a moment that you're actually present to, instead of you're putting food in your body, but your mind is already, already tangled up. Already going, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The beautiful thing is, even in this moment, we're going to practice this, because the temptation is, I have so many things I want to share with you. So does stay, so does Morks. Pause. This is enough for today. Pause. Like, okay, let that settle in. Rather than being saturated with more content and doing nothing with it, pause. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart podcast here in the week of Halloween. And actually a hard week, frankly, for society and for the church, because there's a lot of evil that you know, people put pictures of dead people in their front yard and think it's a really cool thing. And you're like, wait a second, probably a good week to pray. Probably a good week to stay in the daily prayer. Might also need the bedtime prayer this week, just given some of the spiritual stuff that's flying around. But we'll come back to prayer next week and some other things about living hard-pressed. You've been listening to the Ransom Heart Podcast with John and Stacy Eldridge, Morgan Snyder.